You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Republic City Report, Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender. So I want to take a moment and thank you guys for joining me once again as we dive into episode five of Legend of Korra, which is, of course, uh, the Metal Clan. I want to take a moment to remind all of my listeners and, uh, of course, let all of my new listeners know that this is sort of a f- uh, listener feedback, sort of a podcast, which means I every episode I kind of pose a few questions uh, I invite you to send me an email and we can I can do my best to answer those questions. Sometimes um, some of you just have theories that you may want to pose. Uh, you may have suggestions and things like that. So take the time to send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Uh, you can also head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport if you want to leave me a comment there or send me a message or anything like that. Uh, with that being said, um, we're going to talk a little bit, of, of course, about episode five here but i'm not going to really break it down in as much detail as i do with some of the episodes uh because they're even though we got a lot there it can kind of be summed up in a in a quick sort of a way and not to mention i have a couple of emails here that i want to read on this episode and talk about so i won't keep this segment too long that way we can get to emails and everything like that and not to mention i'm recording this the same day as the two new episodes of Legend of Korra so I want to get to those and go watch them because uh, I'm pretty pumped because this episode was amazing so with that being said uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it right so episode 5 the Metal Clan um, <laughs> I, I, I love the way this episode started because we just got a quick little moment between Korra and Naga which we haven't seen much of Naga this season. I mean, she's always kind of in the background, but you know, she's not, she's not Cora's main method of transportation anymore. So we see a lot less of her. And that reminds me. And if anyone, this is, this is actually a perfect opportunity to email me. If you can answer this question, uh, once again, Republic city report at gmail.com. Um, Cora has a, you know, one of the gliders, like the a glider, sort of like uh, you know Aang had, and I don't recall her, her. Did they show when she got that? And if and if they did, where'd she get it? I mean, I would assume she got it from Tenzin <laughs> and the Airbenders because they would typically be the only ones that would have something like that. But I just don't remember a specific moment or episode where they showed that. And you think they would have because it would be it would have kind of been a big deal in some ways, I think, to, to get that. I mean, it seems like that would be something that a, a higher level airbender would achieve after passing some kind of a test or something. But I don't I don't think they showed that. I think they just kind of started off this season and she had it. Of course, if I'm wrong about that, by all means, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail dot com. But I thought it was cool because we got to see Naga for a little bit and give her a little action. Uh, 
And then it also kind of helped set the stage for uh, the adventure to come, right? Because in that same scene, we kind of find out that they're going to head over to uh, another Earth Kingdom city by the name of Zhao Fu, which is a city made of metal. So immediately when you find out about that, you start to think, okay, this is going to somehow tie in to Lin Beifong, or at least that's what I thought. Because, you know, um, you've seen The Last Airbender, you know metal. They're, they're, the metal benders thing is pretty new. That pretty much just came along with Legend of Korra. Now, on The Last Airbender, Toph Beifong was the first metal bender. I think I recall an episode when she was captured and she was in a metal box and she had to find her way out of it. So then she realized that if she concentrated hard enough, she could focus and actually you know, bend the earth that is in the metal because metal is earth, but it's really refined and concentrated. So that's why it's something that is not as easy as just bending dirt because it's, you know, sort of a purified form of earth. But we get to find out, of course, that this whole city has been built based on this. So you find out that, wow, you know, in a way, Lin Beifong kind of started a whole new civilization just by you know, learning this new art of bending and teaching it to people. So uh, they basically get on the airship and they head over into the city. Now, <laughs> on the way there, you know, we, we kind of get a couple of you, you get an indication here once again that there's some involvement in this city um, in terms of Lin Beifong. And you don't know exactly what it is at the moment. But, you know, you, you start to speculate, well, she's got some kind of history here. Maybe she's from here. You know, you can tell because she's so kind of bothered by the idea of going there. And when they arrive, she's like, I'm not getting off the ship. Don't tell anyone that I'm here, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Cora is just like, what's the deal? <laughs> so they get off and then we get to meet some new characters. And, and, and one thing I want to say about this episode this episode is probably my favorite episode of this season and one of my top favorite episodes of the of this entire series so far now when i say this entire series i mean the legend of Korra. i don't mean the last airbender and the legend of Korra. this is one of my most favorite episodes of this series for several reasons um that i will break down as i as i get to those points but one being right now is I, one thing I've already loved, I've always loved about this show is the amount of care that they put into the environments and the detail of the settings and the locations. And it's just it's fabulous, the culture. And you go into this city and all of a sudden we've got a new civilization with new type of architecture. Sorry, <laughs> architecture. Uh, with their own style of clothing, with their own way of doing things, even things as little as when the airship is arriving, there's a certain method that they use to tether the ship and bring it down out of the sky. I mean, the, these are the kinds of things that most animated shows would ignore, right? Because they're like, well, it's a cartoon. We don't have to pay attention to all that kind of stuff. But this, these, they never, they never, ever forget that kind of stuff on this show. It's always there. If you look in the background, you'll see different characters. They, they all look different. They're all dressed differently. I mean, that's one thing I've always loved about this is that they, they, show, they pay attention to detail in ways that I've never really seen before in many other animated shows. And that's part of the reason why these shows are so amazing. Uh, 
it's, it's just such a rich world. It's a rich world. You know, the fact that we can, in the span of a season, we can go from, you know, uh, Bossing say into the metal city, and then they're both so distinct yet similar. And I mean, it's just like it. I just want to shake everyone's hand <laughs> who's involved with this show the animators, the writers, the creators. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, and I'm not one to just kind of, you know, go on and on about s- things. So when I when I keep pressing upon something, which if you go back and listen to previous episodes of this podcast, you notice that this is something I bring up a lot. The fact that they pay attention to detail so well on this show. And, and, and this episode is just a perfect example of that. And I, I just love it. So basically, you know, they, they find out that there's an airbender there and that's why they're going. OK, that's that's the whole part of Korra's adventure now is to, to bring forth more airbenders. Uh, so they go to meet the airbender's mother. And, you know, once again, you know, these, these are things that the creators don't even have to do, but they do it. And it just makes the, the world that much more rich. They walk into this building and there are these metal benders and they're doing this complex, complex routine. And, you know, it's like it's not even for battle purposes. It's just like a show that they do. And, you know, once again, you don't even have to put that kind of stuff in a show. But the creators of this show put that stuff in there. And it's just it's fantastic. I mean, it's just extra. It, it These this show has the, the most these these cities on this show have the most uh vibrant life right you can you can see people working at fruit stands you can see someone pushing a a a wagon you know if you look around you can see so many different things going on and that is just fantastic i love it um but to kind of get to the point here we meet a lady there who is basically the, I think they refer to her as the matriarch of Zalfu. Um, and she says a couple things and her, her sort of her right hand guy, the guy who greeted team avatar as they got off the airship. Um, I think he said that he was, a I, for, I forget, I forget the actual term, but he's someone who can tell if someone's lying, you know, and, and, uh, they told them that there was no one else on the ship. And, you know, because of that, the guy tells the lady and we find out that that's actually Lin Beifong's sister, uh, Su Yin Beifong, which uh, I have to admit this. It was spoiled for me. I, I already knew that that was her sister because, you know, once again, I'm a little bit behind with my episodes. And I think Nickelodeon posted something from the Legend of Korra Facebook page that kind of revealed who it was and I was like oh man okay well I mean I'm happy about it I'm just sorry that it was spoiled but I mean <clears throat> I wonder how many people actually just kind of figured it out by looking at her because she's her hair is like the same color of course they all have the same color eyes because they're earthbenders but uh I mean that's just a, once again rich environments rich characters very expansive world this story takes place in they just keep branching out every season. You find out, oh, wait a second. Toph has another child. And that, I mean, that is, who would have guessed that? And not only that, I kind of passed this up, but they also mentioned that they they allude to the fact that Toph is still alive. That she's off somewhere in search of enlightenment. I mean, that is great. Once again, as fans of The Last Airbender, 
we love to hear about those characters from that show. So when they bring someone up like that and they say something like them still being alive or I mean, it's awesome because that, of course, leads us to believe that we will see her again at some point. Otherwise, what will be the point of saying that? <laughs> right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. To see how Toph is now as an old woman, to see if she's still just as stubborn and, 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 and kind of hard headed and strong willed as she was before. I'm sure she is. I'm sure that's what Lynn gets a lot of her. <laughs> strong willingness from but another thing we kind of learn here is that they have different fathers uh both lynn and suyin have different fathers now people have theories as to who their fathers are i i don't really have any theories on it i mean i don't be honest with you i don't i don't necessarily think that their fathers are any of the characters from airbender that we met i, I mean i just i can't because i can't imagine Toph hooking up with any body on there i mean it wasn't enough unless i mean now granted it's been a while okay and there was a lot of episodes to that series so i could be forgetting something but i don't think she had any sort of love interest i mean she may have had a crush on Sokka at one point or something but then as far as we know Sokka ended up with um suki uh so who knows i mean maybe Sokka could be the father of one of them or but i right now i'm, I'm gonna think that that's not the case but it also makes you wonder if Toph has any other kids. I mean, like maybe she has a boy somewhere and he's a waterbender or something. And that'll give us a better idea as to who the fathers may be. But even they don't know themselves, which I thought was uh, interesting. That's something that they reveal later on is that neither Suyin nor Len know who their fathers are for whatever reason. And, well, Toph was blind. So, I mean, it's not like she even knew what they looked like because Toph can't see. Now, I'm sure she got to know them. I don't want to make it sound like she's some kind of a, you know, uh, hussy or anything like that. But uh, I mean, it starts to make a lot more sense that they may not know. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure she knew their names and everything. But, you know, for some reason, they don't know who their their fathers are. But once again, to kind of speed this up, because I'm actually taking a bit longer than I, I planned on. Um, we get to meet, you know, all, basically Lynn's extended family there, her her sister, her sister's kids, and her sister's got like five kids, or and, and they're all distinctive and unique, and two of them are playing this sport that they in, invented. Uh, once again, something extra that the creators don't even have to do, but they do. Just to make this world even more rich, they do things like that, and it's fantastic. Uh, so, of course, there's some tension there between Lin and Suyin, but of course, in this episode, we don't find out why why that is. Uh, but we can tell that 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 whatever happened between them was pretty devastating to Lin, and it may explain why she's the way that she is uh, in general. Anyway, does anyone have any theories about that? Send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail dot com if you have a theory as to maybe why Lin is so. Um, is just so angry at her sister and so upset and so scorned by something that happened. Um, I mean, we could assume, well, maybe it had to do something with Toph. You know, maybe she was involved. Uh, maybe it has something to do with that scar that Lynn has on her face. I mean, we still don't know how she got that scar, right? Once again, I could be forgetting something. So if I am, send me an email. Remind me. But I don't think we find out how she got that scar. So maybe that's somehow tied in, you know, who knows? But to get even more so to the point here, the whole reason why they went there was to find the airbender 
who is Suyin's daughter, Opal, um, who is a very sweet girl, at least from what we can tell right now. Uh, and of course, there's a little love connection there between her and Bolin, which hopefully will work out. Uh, Bolin has a very weird <laughs> uh, experience with girls. You know, he he had a crush on Cora and she wasn't really feeling the same way. And then there was the whole thing with Eska, uh, which was just weird, but funny. And now he seems like he may actually be finding someone who's actually more his speed now and gets his personality and gets a sense of humor and everything like that. So that's pretty cool. But they want to take um, Opal, you know, back to the air temple to train with everyone else. But they kind of insist that she stays there to train. So basically, they're going to hang around for a couple of days now and uh, and train her uh, a little bit. And that'll give this show some time to develop a little potential romance between her and Bolin, as well as just kind of making her a better uh, airbender, as well as exploring whatever this tension is between Lynn and her sister. So once again, very, very deep um, rooted stories here. Very excellent character development because we're learning more about all of these characters through their adventures this season. I mean, we got the extended backstory of Bolin and Mako. Uh, we're learning more about Lin Bei Fong, you know, and these are once again, other shows would not care enough. They would just say that's that's who she is. She's she's the chief of Republic City and there's no need to go any further than that, you know, and we will accept that. And, and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. But I can appreciate the fact that they're making an extra effort to explore her, you know, because they didn't have to do it in the first season or the second. But now they're saying let's do it now, which is fantastic, because once again, most of this season is taking place in Earth Kingdom. So let's take our Earthbender characters and explore them further. And that's what we're getting so far. And I love that. And not only that, but um, just kind of fast forwarding here a little bit. Varric shows up, right? We get Varric, the very wisecracking, kind of shysty, shifty business guy from book two, who's kind of resurfaced. If you remember, if I'm remembering correctly, at the end of book two, he... He was in prison, but due to all of the destruction, he was accidentally free. And I just remember him like jumping out the wall through the wall and flying away or something. And he somehow hooks up with with Su Yin and Zhao Fu. And, you know, so Varric's back. So expect him to be up to no good or doing something that he shouldn't be or, or who knows? Maybe he has changed once again. Right. Uh, once again, I brought this up in previous episodes. The name of this season is changed. So once again, expect changes to take place. We're already we're seeing a, we're going to see a change in Lin Bei Fong before the end of this season. We're, we're we're being sort of told that there's a change that took place in Varric. You know, so once again, that's the theme. Um, so expect to see more of that. And it's just fantastic. Now, I want to quickly switch over here. And talk about what was going on at uh, the Air Temple. Because meanwhile, you know, we get a couple shots of Iki and Milo and Kaya. And they're kind of tending to all the new airbenders that have arrived. As well as uh, doing some training and things like that. So we get a couple of funny scenes of Milo kind of being a boss. <laughs> but more importantly, we get a new airbender who shows up. You know, claiming that he just got, I mean, I, you know, it was no secret. It was no secret that this person was not being completely honest because they 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 showed it in that sort of way. Right. You know, filmmakers have a way 
of shooting characters from certain angles and pausing just long enough and playing just the right little stinger texture of music under it to where you know that that person's a little bit sinister to some extent. Of course, just getting to the point here, it ends up being Zahir. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that that was Zahir <laughs> until they revealed it. But I thought that maybe that was his brother or something because I did see the resemblance and I did hear a, you know the similarity in the voices but i didn't think for a second that he shaved his beard and cut his hair so i was thinking oh this is this guy's got to be like related to zahir or something because you know clearly he was up to something but we find out that that was actually him and we find out in a very 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 impressive sequence between he and kaya and, and this sequence is easily one of my most favorite sequences of both series, Airbender as well as Legend of Korra. From the moment she says, wait a second, Zahir, and that fight starts, it's just fantastic. Go back and watch that scene again. And I want you to pay attention to every little thing that happens in that entire fight sequence. From the moment that fight begins, if you look to the right side of the screen, water comes out of this fountain and then kaya uses that water to fight now once again something that makes sense in their world right because the, the water benders need water but from a filmmaking standpoint and from a creator standpoint they didn't even have to do that they very well could have just made her have water and no one would have thought about it no one would have second guessed it no one would have been like oh wait a second where'd the water come from that wouldn't have happened. But the fact that they took the time to actually make that water come out of that thing once again shows the amount of care that is put into this show. And 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 this show is so it goes so underappreciated. And I want to thank everybody out there who watches it because this kind of art needs to be acknowledged. And that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. And that's what you guys are doing by watching it. So thank you for that. Uh but that entire sequence is fantastic. And I, you know, I'm almost even wondering if maybe it was rotoscoped to some extent. If you don't know what rotoscope mean, it means that's when, you know, they would take a um, live action person doing the movements and then animate over that person. So that is very fluid, um, which that's kind of a primitive way of doing it now. You know, nowadays there are other ways. There's motion capture and all these things. But the way that Zahir was moving when he had the staff was just so smooth and so fluid it just almost looked like it couldn't have been traditionally animated which it probably was and these guys are probably studio mirror they're probably just that good because that entire sequence was great look at all the different ways uh kaya uses her water too these are things i want you to, i want you to go back because you watch it once you won't really get to appreciate everything go back and look at how many different ways she uses that water she freezes it and shoots icicles. She freezes his leg with it. She surfs on it. She makes a spiral out of it. She just uses she uses it as a whip. I mean, it's just fantastic because once again, these are things that most people probably won't even recognize or acknowledge, but they take the extra time to say, let's let her use this water in so many different ways so we can see how amazing and awesome of a waterbender Kaya is. So it's just great to see her fight again once again this show's always done a fantastic job of making their female characters just as strong and important as the male characters just another thing i love about it but in the end 
It still proves to not quite be enough for Zaire. And he comes out on top with some impressive airbending skills himself. Uh, but nonetheless, a fantastic sequence. Um, so uh, I think that's pretty much what that's basically the most important things in the episode. I mean, we get another scene between Lynn and Opal where Opal's trying to kind of get her to to find out what's wrong. And, and Lynn basically snaps at her. And, um, you know, it's very emotional. And we, I can't wait to find out exactly what is the root of Lynn's issue here. And uh, I have no doubt that it will be a very good uh, and touching story. Okay, that went on way longer than I planned. <laughs> so let's switch over to these emails now. I've got a couple. Um, I'll try to go through these rather quickly because I like to keep this podcast at least around 30 minutes. You know, just because I don't want anyone to get bored just listening to me talk by myself for 30 minutes. Uh, so let's see. Uh, once again, if you'd like to send me an email, email me at republiccityreport at gmail.com. You can also find me at facebook.com slash republiccityreport. First email here is from Thomas. Uh, thanks, Thomas, for writing me once again. Let's see what it says here. Uh, just watch the Metal Clan. Here's some thoughts. Okay, so this is just basically some comments that, that uh, Thomas had on this episode. Getting rid of the airbenders was a bold move. Now I'm sad that Kai is gone. Little dude was bad. B.A. in that last episode. Um, I think what you mean when you say getting rid of the airbenders, you, you mean them going off to the air temple? I think. So you mean uh, for this episode, getting rid of them, I guess. Um, also, you're right. Nice to see the impact metal bending has. Strange that the metal clan are more monks. You have a, I'm sorry. You have, you have a couple of typos here, Tom. So I'm trying to see exactly what you meant here strange that the metal clan are more monks than fighters that may be what you were getting at there um i'm not how did you um, how are you getting the impression that they're more monks than fighters i'm not i'm not sure uh i mean they seem to be pretty peaceful if that's what you mean uh, they do seem to have their kind of their own way of life and and su yen does make this comment about that city being the safest city in the world uh, for many different reasons, probably because most people can't bend metal, and I mean metal is very strong, and um, and things like that. So I, I I would imagine that they'd be a lot more peaceful because of that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very cool. Uh, love the Airbenders training scenes. Uh, yeah, of course, very awesome. We'll we'll get lots more of those. Bolin is the man. Girls love that smooth boy. Being a lovable goof is is girl kryptonite. <laughs> um your 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 metaphors are kind of confusing me here a little bit because well you know i i wouldn't necessarily classify bolin as smooth at all he's actually he, you know, mako's is, is is more smooth than bolin uh bolin is kind of he is definitely a lovable goof though uh he he kind of he bolin's the kind of guy that would trip he would trip his way into doing something romantic you know it wouldn't be on purpose he would just accidentally do it and then the girl would be like oh thanks you know that he's more so like that um and he and you call him girl kryptonite but that would mean that he he makes girls weak i guess so okay i could kind of see that 
Um, Zahir is a beast. No one can stop him. Dude makes everyone look like a chump. Yeah, totally. Well, he's the main, he's the main antagonist this season. So he's going to be, he's going to be doing that. And it's, it's very impressive. Anywho, thanks for reading. Have a great day. Thank you, Thomas. I very much appreciate your email. Uh, once again, email me at any time. RepublicCityReport at gmail.com. Also, um, I have an email here from Lauren, and th- I think this one was pertaining to the last episode, which was uh, episode 19, which covered episode four of Legend of Korra and Harm's Way. Let's see. It says here, everyone has that same feeling about someone close to Team Avatar dying at the end of book three. I have this horrible feeling it might be Tunrock. As much as he's grown on me and I've grown to love him as Korra's dad, I can't help but think it will be him. Some people think it'll be Katara. I don't think so, only because that would be too simple for Legend of Korra, and Legend of Korra doesn't do simple. That's one of the many things I love about the show. I had a question. Do you think Asami will get a chance to fight along Team Avatar, alongside Team Avatar in a future episode of Book 3? I think it will be cool to watch. I love seeing her growing friendship with Korra. Hope you have an awesome rest of the week. Thank you, Lauren, for your email. Um, I think what Lauren is referencing here is that I mentioned in a previous podcast that, uh, you know, that not necessarily that I thought that this was going to happen, but, you know, we're into the third season now. And sometimes, you know, if you've watched many series at some point, they like to kill off characters just to keep things interesting and keep things fresh and basically, you know, just provide a new obstacle for our main characters to go through. So I think what Lauren is saying here is that she's kind of just given her own um, theories on who, if that does happen, who it would be. Um, as far as it being Tunrock or Katara, um, I don't know. I don't think it'd be Katara necessarily because, first of all, we, ha- we haven't seen her this season. And if they were going to kill off a character like her, they would they would let us spend more time with her first. You know, because that's how you you want you want your audience to be sad. You want them to I mean, not that we wouldn't be sad anyway, but you want the audience to connect with your character before you take that character away. And we haven't seen Katara in a while. And even when we did see her, it's not like she played a huge role. We haven't been spending a lot of time with Katara. You know, of course, we spent, you know, all the time with her in Last Airbender. But as far as Legend of Korra, we haven't spent that much time with Katara. I mean, it's not to say that they wouldn't kill her off. But right now, I, I don't. I couldn't see why it would, why it would happen, or how it would affect anything. Because right now, she doesn't really have anything to do with everything else that's going on. So I don't think it would be her. Um, mainly because, like I said, we haven't even seen her yet. Now we might before the, this season's out, though. Uh, it could be Tunrock, um, but it's kind of the same thing, you know. We've only really seen him for one, maybe two episodes, just a little bit, just long enough. You know, we'll probably see him again somewhere in the final battle. But if they were going to kill off someone this season, it, it would be someone that we spent enough time with to be attached to. So that way, when they kill them off, they get that emotional impact from us that they will want. And we just haven't spent that much time with her. So, you know, it might be Kai or someone. I mean, you know, because they they could very well introduce a new character, make you fall in love with them and then take them away. But with that being said, it's probably pretty unlikely that they won't kill anyone off. Um, so to get to your question, 
Do you think Asami will get a chance to fight alongside Team Avatar in a future episode of Book Three? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she always does, right? She, she always, she's always involved in these battles somehow, even if it's just, you know, she may not be in the in the the middle, the in the heart of the battle because she's not a bender, and 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 if she really got into it, she she probably wouldn't stand much of a chance. But with that being said, that's why they use her in other ways, you know, when they were rescuing the airbenders from the earth kingdom prison she was in the airship you know so they'll they will use her in different ways to do other things uh so while the main fight is going on she'll be somewhere on the sidelines doing something else that's that's important but we did we have gotten a little fight action from her too which is great um i do wish we get a lot more sami but we learned a lot about her in uh in book one uh, with her father and future industries and all that. So, I, you know, I guess it's okay if they, they take a little break on her right now. Because we're, we're not in Republic City. And that's where all of her origins lie. So, uh, but yeah, of course, it's always cool to see Asami jump in there with her uh, little glove and uh, shock some people. <laughs> so thank you, Lauren, once again. Uh, if you want to email me, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. I've got one more email here before we wrap this up. Um, there's no name on this one, so I'll just say this is this is Haven Kutara. Haven, uh, thank you very much for your email. This I believe this is my first time receiving an email from you, I believe. So feel free to email me again. I'll do my best to answer your questions here. I'm gonna actually read your entire email here because um I just I just was impressed by it. So bear with me here while I read this. <laughs> Dear RCR. I've been wondering about these questions for a while now and have been dying for some answers. I'm not sure if you can or cannot answer them, but if you somehow have contact with the creators of Legend of Korra, then perhaps you can ask them for me. So because this is a longer email, I'll just go ahead and kind of answer questions as I read them. So the first thing I want to say is that I have no contact with the creators of Legend of Korra at all. Uh, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan of the show who also happens to be a podcaster. Uh, I do a couple of things in the entertainment industry. I'm also an actor. I'm also a musician. I'm also a screenwriter, but I don't have any connections with them. I wish I did. <laughs> uh, if you guys would like to try to, if, if you want to send them a, a letter and let them know about the podcast, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll come on, you know, if, they do that sometimes. Now these, these big time people, you know, if these fan podcasts get enough listeners, they'll actually go on there and do interviews and stuff. And I'd be happy to sit down with those with the creators or whoever and, and interview them and talk to them for a little while to get that to you guys. But we've got to get the the listening up a good bit before something like that would happen. But no, I don't know. Them. <laughs> anyway, here's the question I've been wondering about. One, will Mako and his friends ever somehow run into the firebender in Republic City? I've been dying to get an answer for this because I think it will be a great episode for Legend of Korra. Besides, I and many other people have noticed that Mako is only is the only main character not to let out some sorrowful or tearful tearful emotion in the series. Even Tenzin, aka Mr. Sirius, has cried a bit when all the airbenders wanted to come to the air temple with him in the episode in Harm's Way. I can already imagine the rage Mako will feel towards the now older man who took his and Bolin's parents from them. Plus, I can imagine that episode would have a lot of flashbacks from when Mako and Bolin were younger, which would also be nice to have in the series because we really don't know much about what happened in their past besides what we saw in Republic City Hustle. So to answer your question there, first of all, I still have not seen Republic City Hustle. 
So if someone can send me a link to that or something, republiccityreport at gmail.com, I'm not even exactly sure where to find it. Uh, so I have not seen that yet. Uh, but will they ever run into this person? Uh, you know what? It's possible. Do I think it'll happen this uh, season? No, because it's just not it's not building toward that. Right. But um, this whole thing about Bolin and Mako um, re reconnecting with their 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 family and everything that has to lead somewhere because otherwise they wouldn't have brought it up. Right. So somehow their family is going to play a role in something. We don't know what it is yet. It very well could be something. It could bring up the whole thing about, well, let's let's really find out what happened to our parents and let's try to find this guy. I mean, so anything's possible. It could be something that they're saving for the next season, which may take place in a fire nation. Right. So then they maybe they'll go to the fire nation and find out more about their mother. Just like they found out more about their dad, they may find out more about their mother in the next season. So then that may lead to even more questions and speculation about, well, okay, let's find this guy. Because if if that guy was a firebender, maybe he's still in the Fire Nation somewhere. So if they go there next season, or even this season, they may address that to some extent. So I definitely think it's possible, and I definitely think it would be cool uh, to, to to make that into something because it just would be a nice payoff for all of the fans of Bolin and Mako. Now for your second question. Will they meet Mako and Bolin's parents in the spirit world? That would also be a neat thing to see in an episode. It would probably also get some emotion from Mako finally. Besides, we never got to see them in the series anyway. And family reunions are awesome and emotional. Plus, maybe Mako's parents could tell him to loosen up and stop being so strict and stuff. Um, Who knows, right? I mean... The, the funny thing about this season is that we we other than maybe the very first episode of the season, there hasn't been much spiritual stuff going on. And and that was supposed to be the whole point, <laughs> at least from what we thought at the end of the previous season was that, OK, the spirits are the spirit portal is now open. So there's going to be all this weird stuff happening. But there really hasn't been much. I mean, there was the spirit vines and that was about it. And, and of course, harmonic convergence and uh, the airbenders showing up. But in terms of like, you know, I was expecting there to be spirits everywhere. I mean, we haven't really seen any spirits outside of Republic City. I was thinking everywhere we went, there would be heavy spiritual activity. But we're not really seeing that. So I don't necessarily think we'll see Mako and Boland's parents just because it's not there's no emphasis on that. But what I would like to see is is more side stories, more side episodes. I wish they would do that. I mean, the thing is about this show is that they've created such a rich environment with rich characters and such a well-developed, expansive world that at any point in time, they could make a movie or another series just telling the backstory of one of these characters, you know? And, and I've mentioned a million times that I would love to see the story of Aang after he defeated Fire Lord uh, Ozai. Now, I know that there's a comic series. I know that. And I have, I think I read um, all of them except one. And right now I can't think of, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a, there are graphic novels that continue the story after that point. And I believe they are canon. So they do count. But of course, even they are only going to stop at a certain point, right? So what I would like to see is everything that happened after that point until the day Aang died 
because you know we've got these great characters now we want to learn more about them so there's always more material more room for that and it would also be great if they did another one on Bolin and Mako and showed their background their backstory a little bit more so yes that would be fantastic if they if they did that uh, and as long as we keep watching the show you know anything's possible Okay, the end of your email says those were the two questions I have been pondering about lately. I understand if you can't answer them completely, if at all, but perhaps you know a way I can contact the creators and ask them these questions. I don't have Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, so it's hard to find a way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twitter or Facebook. I mean, I would assume that that was probably the best way. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what their personal email addresses are or anything, but anytime you want to make any kind of a statement on this show, you know, Twitter and Facebook are actually a little bit more useful than you might think. You know, if you post enough and you get enough likes on something, like if you if you if you leave a comment on something or you post on their page and that post gets 4000 likes, well, they're going to be much more likely to read that than than something else. So uh, get a Twitter or a Facebook, <laughs> get a Facebook and then you can come over and like Republic City Report page and we can try together. So I want to thank you for your email as well. Uh, once again, if you'd like to send me an email, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Also, facebook.com slash republiccityreport. While you're on Facebook, check out facebook.com slash awesomepods. That way you can see the other podcasts that we have on the network, including another one that I do called Geekly Dose. Uh, we talk about geek stuff, video games, movies, comic books, all that kind of stuff. So if you enjoy hearing me talk about this, you might enjoy hearing me talk about that. Um, I also have a co-host, though, and a producer is on that one. So there's usually at least three of us. So it will be a little bit more exciting to listen to <laughs> than, than this one. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening once again. I will be back very soon with um, the next two episodes uh, which will be for Old Wounds and Original Airbenders. Once again, I'm going to do two separate episodes for those, even though they're showing two episodes a week now, and this season's going to be over with before we know it. So uh, get your emails in now and everything so that we can have plenty enough time to talk about this stuff before the season's over, because once the season ends, so does my podcast. Unless for some reason I get a ton of emails, and then we can keep talking about it. But the podcast is going to end when the season ends. Um, so get your emails in now and your questions and everything. So thank you guys once again. Um, so with that being said, for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender. Thank you guys and I'll see you next time. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.